How many of you like good news? This is really good news. You ready for this? He is still risen. Right? So that's a good thing. I, I'm thankful for that today. Last weekend we celebrated Easter. What a great time. Resurrection. And uh, today he's still alive. And he's impacting our lives. Now, I, I started thinking a little bit about this series. When I think about creation, Adam and Eve in the garden, sin, they're kicked out. The people of Israel go into bondage under Egypt 400 years. Finally, Moses shows up, takes them out of Egypt. They wander around in the wilderness. We've been looking every week at what I would call pie-sized sections of the Bible story, the God story. And I hope that you're, you're up with I hope you've learned more about the Bible. We looked at the kings and how the kings came. They wanted a king, and that didn't turn out so well. And then they kept getting idols. God would send prophets to say, let me be your God. And they kept resisting. So we have this whole story, and then we have the promise of the Messiah. Jesus comes. He's born. Last week, he dies for our sins. He's risen from the dead. The reason I'm probably most excited about this particular pie, we're about... We're about right here in the Bible story. And this, this section of pie, we don't know how big it's going to be. Other weekends you've heard me say, well, for 1,200 years this happened. We don't know right now. I'm excited this weekend because this is the piece of the pie that we currently live in. Now just think about that. We have all this history, and we're finally at the point where the Bible story is in our generation. And so I want you to breathe it in and think about what that means for us as individuals and as a church. Because the big thing that happened was that Jesus is leaving the earth and he tells his disciples what he wants them to do while he's gone. Because he's coming back again. In a nutshell, that's the theology of today. I want to read from Matthew 28. What would you say to someone you loved if you knew you were going to leave them for a few months or years or decades? How many of you know it would be big that last few moments you had? You know, TV shows, movies, it's always that goodbye. Everybody's crying and they know they might not see each other again. This is the moment. This is actually the moment in the Bible when Jesus is going to ascend into heaven. And his disciples and followers, he, he has shown himself now to over 500 people after the resurrection. So it's a fact that he's alive again. He's on the earth. And this is what he chooses to say. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's, that's the key phrase for today, mission, make disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, all over the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new believers to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. It's probably my favorite phrase in the Bible, to be honest. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. kind of wish I could teach on that because I love it so much, but I want to back up a verse and say, our job in the mission of God in this pie chart is to make disciples all around the world. It's why we do what we do as a church, you guys. As a matter of fact, if you have come to Summit or you've gone to our website, if you've looked at the purpose of Timberline, everything, everything we do and think about has to do with this statement. Timberline Church exists. Timberline Church exists. That's a, that's a pretty big start, right? Timberline Church exists to lead people 
into a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. In a nutshell, that's why we're here today. That's what we, it's not to make you feel good. It's not to just inspire you. It's not to provide childcare for you. It's to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. If we don't do that as a church, we have failed. Why? Because that's the mission of God for the church on the earth. So it matters. So today, I want to stretch you. I want you, to, I want you to accept the challenge that I want to bring to you from God's word with Jesus' last statements. And I want to talk about how we make disciples. How are we going to do that? I have four things. If you have a program today, turn over to the back page. Follow along, and we'll walk through this together. The first thing I want you to write down is that we make disciples by being a learner. We actually make disciples by the learning curve that takes place in our own lives. You might say, what are you talking about? Making disciples means I'm teaching someone else what I already know. Well, I can promise you something. You will never be a good teacher throughout your entire life if you ever cease learning. If you're stuck today, man, get your ears cleaned out and listen. God has a plan. And this message is, is for you. I, I get stuck sometimes. I want to be a learner. Sometimes people use the word discipleship and they make it super spiritual. But I want to talk about what does it mean to be an apprentice? What does it mean to be a teacher, a journeyman, who's going to teach someone a trait or a skill? Any type of discipleship simply means that I'm going to teach you something that you don't know. Matter of fact, let me, let me give you an example. As a kid, we, we had vacations and we always had a big car. And my parents would take us and we would drive everywhere. We went to Kansas every year. And there were five kids. I have four sisters, okay? And two older, two younger. I've said to you before, the sweetness, it's like an Oreo. It's always in the middle. But, but my, my sisters don't always agree with that. But anyway, I got the little section in the car. This is before seatbelt rules. On the top, over the back seat. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We are, we are connected, if that's you. It was the best seat in the house right there. Well, we would be traveling, and our parents were pretty creative. They would give us some money at the gasoline station and say, go get whatever snacks you want. We were always excited to stop, and we would go in. And one time, I remember we got bubble gum. And my two older sisters knew how to blow bubbles, and the rest of us didn't. And so they were going to teach us. This is discipleship. <laughs> I know it's silly, but it is. It's teaching. So, so we all get gum. You chew a piece. They said, chew it up till it's soft. We're all, Chewing. Then what do you do? You put another piece in. How many know what I'm talking about? You put another piece in until you're, you can't even chew anymore, right? And you get it all ready. Then they said, now flatten it out on the top of your roof of your mouth. Flatten it out. We're all flattening it out now. Now put it up front. Put your tongue to it. Give it a little hole. And then, and then blow air into that little pocket. And, you know, we're, we're throwing gum in the windshield, and, you know, in the front of the car. My, my dad's like, Whoa. <laughs> What were they doing? They were teaching us something. That's discipleship. Now, was it spiritual? No. But it was still learning. I remember trying to learn how to whistle out loud without putting my fingers in my mouth. I can do this. I can put these four fingers, roll my tongue back. I won't do it. Roll my tongue back, and I can whistle really, really loud. But, you know, when you're riding a horse or a motorcycle and you need to whistle at somebody real fast, it's like... You know, then you're dead. Then you're dead. And so you really can't do it. So I want to know how many of you can whistle at will really loud. Just wave your hand. 
Look at that. I am so, I want to count to three and I want to hear it. I'm serious. I want, I want to hear the loudest whistle you can give. One, two, three. <laughs> Music to my ears, baby. Woo! I love that. I am so jealous right now. Wow. Come and get your vouchers. No, I mean, I love that. I, was, I had two guys try to teach me. I never could learn. I couldn't hold my mouth right. So I just never could learn. It's like going to my first hockey game. I didn't grow up playing hockey. And this was in Denver in the early 80s. They were called the Rockies. Anybody remember that besides me? Rocky hockey. And, and I, that's what they said. And I went to my first game, and the guys would go flying down the ice, and the whistle blows, and they're like, offsides. What do you mean offsides? You just got there first. What are you talking about? I didn't know the rules. Someone explained to me the rules. What were they doing? They were discipling me. I was learning from their knowledge. You know, one thing I did hear was the chant in the stadium, McNichols Arena, that said, skate on their eyeballs and rip off their lips. Skate on their eyeballs. And then I, and then I was like, where am I right now? That was not, whoa. It, this is like, you know, when you don't know the rule, this is like watching American football with Jeff Lucas. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, if I cheer, it's an interception against our team, you know, and, and I cheer, he'll go, yay. I just love it. Tell him I said that, would you please? Number two, number two in your outline, we make disciples through impartation. Now, this is kind of a, it's kind of a theological word to impart something, but it's not a spooky word. It doesn't mean that my spirit goes into your spirit and it's, it's crazy. It just means that there's a sensitivity from the Spirit of God to impart something fresh and new, and you now have awareness you didn't have because you saw something in someone, you learned something, you took what they have, you learned a lesson from their life, impartation. You know, how did the disciples learn to be more like Jesus? They did it through real life. So, so Jesus walks into the conversation. They're probably sitting around a fire, and he hears the conversation go something like this. Yeah, but I'm, I'm really more important than you are. Why, why is that? Well, Jesus told me this. He didn't tell you that. And by the way, that guy was healed when I prayed for him, not when you prayed for him. They're arguing over who of them is the greatest. Does that seem sort of immature to you? It does until you understand they're ruled by the Romans. Power wins. They're, they're, they're in a pecking order war, and they're trying to say, I'm more important. I'm going to lead this. I've got, when Jesus is not here, trust what I say. They're all trying to be that leader. And Jesus blows it all apart by saying, you know what? The first will be last. What is that? That's impartation. That's, that's a new culture. Jesus is saying, I'm bringing a new DNA to the earth. I'm bringing a new culture to the earth called the church. It doesn't work like Rome. It's different than that. That You need to understand that. When he, when he, at, at that last supper, he's, he's putting a towel around his waist, and he starts to wash their feet. Well, you don't do that if you're God. You don't do that if you're the leader. A servant does that. When you go inside the house, that was the culture. That's why Peter said, no way. You're not washing my feet. Jesus said, basically, this is a new culture, Peter. The greatest among you will be the servant among you. This isn't something you know until I teach you. I'm imparting this knowledge to you. 
The leader will be the servant. It's a verb, impart. If you looked it up in the dictionary, it would say stuff like to train, to bestow, to teach, to be an example, to give away knowledge. That's what it is. Jesus was good at this. I wonder, I wonder if you, if you could think of someone right now that taught you something in your childhood, anything, how to make cookies, bread, how to fix a bike. How many of you can think of somebody who taught you something? We all probably can. They discipled you, whether it was in the ways of God or in just some other skill, you have been discipled. And we are called by God to disciple. I wish there was a way we could just take an SD card and I wish there was a slot behind my ear. I could just take yours out and put everything in my brain. And then I would know what you know. Wouldn't that be great? Especially some of you raising kids right now. And they, they come in and say, can you help me with my trigonometry? And you're like... No. <laughs> right? Why? Because we may not have the knowledge. And so it's very important, you guys, that we understand we make disciples through imparting what we do know. You can't teach someone what you don't know. But you can live a life as an example of godliness, and those traits can be imparted. And God can use that. Number three, we make disciples by, sin by spending time with others. Time, real time. I would venture to say this, this is maybe just a very important point that says there are no shortcuts for this one. If you isolate your life, you're never going to be discipled. If you give up on church, if you're never going to go and attend a class or have someone speak into your life, you will never be a disciple, a follower, a learner. Because it takes, you say, well, I can read books. I can, yeah, you can. You can fill the knowledge tank. But that's, why do you think Jesus didn't just shout down from heaven, do this, 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 here's the list. Why did he put skin on and come down and go through the hassle of 33 years as a mere man, fully God but man? I'll tell you why, because we need people with skin on. That's why he did it. So our time matters. You know, online learning, by the way, some of you have your college degree from online learning. It's awesome. I believe in it. We use it here at Timberline all the time for many reasons. So, but I know this. I know that you can learn that way, but nothing can take the place of real connection with real people in learning, that mentoring, that apprenticeship, that, you know, if you, if you, you know, these dog whisperer shows that are popping up everywhere, it's, it's interesting to watch. I bet there's not a dog whisperer that if you called them and said, my dog needs help, that he would say or she would say to you, okay, put your laptop up and, and I'll be on the screen. Bring your dog and sit him down. I'll teach him some things. I'm not saying humans are, are dogs. I'm just saying that's not going to happen. Why? Because a teacher is going to be with the person or the dog, whatever it is they're training. That's how discipleship happened. Do what I do. Walk where I walk. The rabbis would actually walk, and they would step in the step to emulate this idea of look at my attitude, look at my voice tone, look at my, at my spirit in the way I talk to people, look at my anger level, look at my resentment. Do you see any bitterness in me? I want to teach you that you don't have to have a harsh word back when someone is harsh to you. That's learning. That's being together. That's watching someone do those things. Number four. 
We make disciples by living missional. By living missional. You say, well, that's too fancy of a word. What does it really mean? It just means that I will live my life with intentionality. I won't just let life come to me. I will say, I'm going to make some things. I'm going to live my life in such a way that I have purpose in every decision, and I'm going after some stuff. I, I was thinking about that at Timberline Church and what it means for us to be a church with intentionality, and we are. One of the things in, in summit class I talk about, the three things that we want you to do, and, and the th three things how we can live missional is, number one, by praying. It's not in your notes, but you can write it down if you want to. There are three things. By praying. Pray. Learn to pray. People say, well, you know, it's boring. Well, you probably have a misconception of what prayer is. And don't set a goal that you're going to start praying tomorrow from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. You know, don't do it. Just do what the Bible says about pray without ceasing. What this is, it's a consciousness that God is with you always and he's everywhere all the time. And I'm living my life. Now, I do have specific times, typically in the mornings, when I just go sit in my office at home and I, and I just enjoy God. I have a cup of coffee and I just pray and I thank him. And I just live in this realm of saying, God, what's up today? How can I be sensitive today? Show me today. And, and I believe he prepares me for every day of my life. Be someone who is not afraid to talk to God. Conversational talking to God. Number two is by going. I mean, we're a church that, that provides for you, if you want it, so many short-term missions trips that are local, that are Colorado, that are stateside, in other, other cultures in our own United States, and then around the world. Take it seriously. Think about going. Think about signing up. Call our missions director, Kerry Stewart, and just say, what's going on in, in Timberline that I could be a part of? Think about how to live your life missionally by, by going. And this could be across the street or around the world. But I'm going to have in my head that I'm going to be going. The third one is by giving. By praying, by going, and by giving. This, I'm talking about dollars. I'm talking about financial giving. There are many ways to give besides dollars, but I want to talk about dollars just for a minute. Ask yourself the question, am I generous with the income I have? And I'm not talking about even to timberline, tithing. I'm just saying, am I a giver? Am I living on every penny because I've put myself in a position where I have no extra income? Part of discipleship is being a giver and learning how to live your life and having a lifestyle that allows you the freedom to say the Spirit prompts you to buy someone's lunch for them. You're prompted to take care of someone's little grocery bag that they have at the, at the grocery store. You're prompted to fill someone's tank up with gas. These are, these are moments, if you don't have the financial pressure on you every day like most people do, man, debt levels are through the roof. I just want to say, if that's you, I'm glad you're here. Listen carefully. Trust God. Take some, get to Financial Peace University. We teach it here at Timberline. And, and reduce your debt and pay attention. Why? Not just so you have more discretionary money, but so you have a lifestyle that allows you to think differently about generosity. Man, there's nothing worse than financial pressure when you're so strapped. It's all you think about. It's consuming, right? Okay, take that to heart. I started making a list of things that I want to practice this week, and it turned into, I don't know, three, two or three things there, whatever it is. 
in your outline. And so I'm going to give you these real fast, just things that affect, will affect this week in your life. Number one, discover how and what you are learning. Take an assessment this week. Take five minutes to this afternoon or tomorrow morning or ten minutes tomorrow, whatever, and say, what am I learning in my life right now? Am I in a class? Am I learning at work? Is someone training me? What am I learning about God? Am I a Bible reader? Am I reading a book? How am I learning? And, and really make a point to, to be serious about becoming a student, a good learner. You know, when I've used this question probably for a decade in my own life. When was the last time I did something for the first time? When was the last time I did something for the first time? So, you know, knowing all this is coming in a weekend like this, I took a new route to work. You say, well, that's no big deal. Yeah, it is. You think about how stuck we are and always going the same way. I thought, I'm just going to, I'm going to change it up. Got in my car, started out, went a new way, went this other, other way, and I ran into a huge traffic jam and thought, that's why I don't go this way. <laughs> Not trying that again, right? <laughs> Lesson learned. But, but try something new. Take a class. We have a class right now that it just started at 10 o'clock today, and it's brand new. It's called Trailhead. It matches our Timberline theme, and it's for anyone who just wants to know more about God. They're kind of new at this, and you're saying, I'm not sure how to read the Bible. I'm not sure what. It's a coffee table discussion open forum, Pastor Brent. If you have an interest in that, then come to a different service next week and get to Trailhead at 10 a.m. Join a small group. Volunteer somewhere. It doesn't have to even be Timberline, just somewhere. Give financially for the first time to something you believe in. Um, join a service club. Start a quiet time. You know, eat at a new restaurant. <laughs> Just eat at a food truck if you ever have an opportunity. <laughs> Take a picnic up to Horsetooth. It's right in our backyard, and it's gorgeous up there. Just think about, you know, give away your clothes. You have, how many of you have clothes you haven't worn in over a year? Be honest. Two years. Three years. Okay, let's see who the winner is. Four years. <laughs> Clean out that storage place, man. Clean your dresser out. You're going to feel good about your nightstand that you can open. <laughs> Just do something this week that says, I'm going to change it up. I'm not going to live stuck. Number two, I've got to keep moving here. Make a list of those, th of those that are listening to your voice. Just put their names down. These are the people who I have influence over. These are the people who, they're, they're paying attention to my, now, if you're tempted to write no one, I get that. You know, uh, but if you're raising kids right now, trust me, they're listening to your voice. They might not like it. They might act like they're not, but they're watching and they're learning and they're listening. Make sure they're on the list. Just make a list. Pay attention. And then ask this question. And this, this is a little haunting and convicting, but I, I want you to write it down and think about it. Is my voice worth listening to? Or are you just a nagger? You're just whining all the time. Everything's bad. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. And everything's bad. And have you seen the news? And have you, you know what? It might, it might be true what you're saying, but stop it. You are alive today. You are breathing today. 
You have an opportunity for today. Why don't you make the best of that? And why don't you be someone who has a voice that is worth listening to in a culture where there are not that many voices? That's why Jesus said, be salt, be light. I know, I know already some of you are like, well, you're not a realist. You're an optimist, easy for you to say. Well, some of you who are realists are really pessimists. <laughs> and you think you're a realist. <laughs> Email me, number three. <laughs> <laughs> they will anyway, so let's go. Number three, make a list of when you had courage and faith. Make a list of when you had courage and faith. When's the last time you said, I mean, I stepped out. I did that. I, I, I helped that neighbor. I mowed their grass. I did that. I shoveled my, the wall. I, I, I started a conversation because I felt the prompting. I actually got to know somebody a little bit because I cared about the pain they were in at the moment. Courage. To step out, boldness, to say, God, I'm going to trust you for something impossible. I have a friend, dear friend, Pastor Scott Kissel, who's our senior executive. Come up here, Scott. He has a story that I wanted to tell you because it's really impacted my life. It's impacted our pastoral team. And it, it sounds silly at first. Notice the shirt. What's it say? Final four. How many know what that means? Come okay. on, basketball fans. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know what that means, get a life. Come on, pay attention. There's really something going on here. Tell us what happened. Yeah, Final Four is Division I men's basketball championships that were in San Antonio this year, and so a bucket list trip for anybody that loves basketball. Well, my best friend Greg Dix, his son Braden, and my son Tennyson, our boys are 14 years old, and when they turned 10 years old, we said we wanted to take them on a journey to manhood, is what we were going to call it, and that every year we were going to do something character trait related, value related, have some memories making together, take some trips together, and so we said, what can we do before they go to high school? We said, you know what, we should look at going to the final four because they're in eighth grade now. And so we said, oh, it's in San Antonio in March. So back in 2016, we told our boys the character trait that year was initiative. And we said, hey, will you take the initiative to save your money? We will too as dads. And let's try to make this trip happen. It'll be an epic father-son memory-making trip. Well, we started working on it and uh, working towards it and trying to figure out how we'd be able to get tickets. And so it's a lottery system, I guess, is what we found out. So we both applied. Both were denied. So we didn't get tickets through the lottery system. And so we said, you know what? We're going to have to start networking with anyone and everyone. Well, what I'm not telling you is that earlier this year, I told our pastoral team that I feel like God is asking me specifically to pray bolder prayers and to step out in faith a little bit more. I didn't necessarily know what those areas would be, but I wanted to make something personal. And so I said, I'm going to do that for the journey to manhood. And so we finally found some tickets through CSU, a connection that we had. So we paid and bought for four tickets uh, in section 224. And we were like, yes, we're in the building. We're going to have a great time. And we kind of looked at each other and said, you know what? Maybe the God has something else in store. So we took out the seat map. Here's a picture on the screen. And you can see where we are in 224 up behind the basket. We said, Lord, is there any way that you could provide something in sections 131 through 137? I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. So we decided to do that. And we were networking. We were writing some Division I coaches. And I have one of the notes from one of them in my hand. His name is Coach Buzz Williams. Used to be on staff at CSU a lot of years ago. He's the head coach at Virginia Tech. He wrote us back and he said, hey, Scott, ticket process is hard for assist head coaches. And so I may have two tickets for you. I'm not sure. Uh, but when you get to San Antonio, you don't let us know. He's like, they're not going to be great seats. They'll be a little bit better than yours, but they're not going to be bad seats. And so section 224, just to give you a visual, this is our section 224 uh, up behind the basket. 
So that's where we were. So we started praying really hard and kind of going, all right, Lord, do you have any surprises for us? And so we got in connection with Coach Buzz, and we got to San Antonio. Our boys were there. Greg was there. And we went and talked to him, and we said, hey, here we are. And he said, all right, let's just see what we got. Let's see what we can do for you. And he looks down, and he goes, you know what? We've got two seats in Section 137, Row J. I'm like, whoa, 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 Coach, did you just say Section 137, Row J? And he goes, yeah, why? I said, Coach, I know you're a believer. I know you're a big Mark Batterson fan who wrote the book Circle Maker about praying specifically and directly for things in your life. Well, we've been circling. And I showed him the map, and he looked at my phone. It was my screensaver. He goes, "Woo!" He's like, are you serious? You've been praying over this section the whole time? I'm like, I'm not joking, Buzz. We were praying over that section the whole time. It was unbelievable. So we go. We got two tickets, and we're like, well, what are we going to do? We're going to just rotate down at halftime, two of us up in 224, two of us down in 137. We said, Greg looked at me. He goes, Let's just see what else God might have in store. Now, now this, this, this gets a little greedy right here. This, <laughs> this crosses a line just yeah, a little bit. I'm glad God understands. So, so we go and talk to the ticket lady and say, hey, we've got four seats in 224. We'd like to sell them. Is there any chance there's something available on the lower level, specifically in section 137? She goes, you know what? You're not going to believe this, but there's two seats in section 137, row J the exact same row that our boys were in. So all three of us, here's our new seat location. It's a little bit better. <laughs> Had a great time, unbelievable. But I do want to tell you this. Do I think God cared about the seat location for that particular weekend? I don't think he did. I think he cared about some dads trying to do some stuff with their boys to make memories but then also to let them get a, a firsthand look at when you pray and you bring things before God, what could happen. Did God have to answer that prayer? I think we all know, no. He doesn't always answer prayers like that. Did he choose to do that for this particular trip with my best friend and our boys? Yes, he did. And I'm forever grateful, and it's a memory-making trip. The boys will never forget. We'll never forget. Here's a group shot of Coach Buzz, his wife Corey, his assistant Coach Lyle, and our boys standing in the spot where Coach pulled out his computer and said, I think we can put you in Section 137, Row J. Amazing. Thanks, Scott Kissel. I just want to emphasize something that he's already said, but from perspective of this message today, I don't think God was interested in just giving them a better seat for that reason only. I agree with Scott. You know what God was doing? God was saying, you're taking your boys on a discipleship trip. I want them to see the mighty hand of God when you say, I will make disciples, God says, okay, it's on. If you choose to just live your life selfishly, oh, it's good old me, and it's about what I want, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to make it happen, then maybe God's not going to show up a whole lot in your life for your prayers because they're all going to be completely selfish. But when you pray prayers with a motive that is to teach others, God shows up. Be a disciple maker. Take your kids on a journey. Take your family on a journey. Trust God. Pray bold prayers. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this story and stories like it. Where boldness is not just, it's not a selfish, it's, it's endearing to you. That we would trust you to give a memory 
that would define your blessing of grace and mercy and love in a tangible, physical, earthly way. Thank you. Today, Lord, I ask that you would put it in our hearts to be learners. I'm stuck, Lord. I want to learn. Give me an appetite. I'm bored. Guys, don't be a bored Christian. That, that kills all of us. Be alive. Be a learner. Be growing. Put it out there. Trust God. For those of you that would say, I need to be more intentional about my voice of influence. Yeah, you do. Examine your voice. What is it saying? What is your life message? Be salt and be light. God's called you to it. And finally, for those of you here today, you're not connected to God at all. Maybe you don't even believe in him. I want to tell you something. He believes in you. No, that's just, no, he does. He has a purpose for your life way beyond what you can even imagine. Give your life to him and you'll see. Lord, forgive me, cleanse me. I confess to you and I trust you with my life. I believe in you. Just say that in your own words. It's a starting point and we'll help you from there. We pray these things, Lord, because we believe in you and we love you. In your name, amen.